to the Batmobile. Let's go. Atomic batteries to power. Turbines to speed. Roger. Ready to move out. Holy smokes, Batman. It's Gaggle of Geeks on 2SER. Ah, the sweet sounds of geese honking can only mean one thing. It is Gaggle of Geeks. It is back and it is your, not weekly, but your pop culture and geek culture podcast with me, Sophie Lai and... Me, Talia Holatea. It's so funny. It's like we haven't heard the geese for a while. (laughs) No, well, we've had a few bouts of sickness being winter, so we are back. We are well-ish again. Yes. And we are ready to chat pop culture and geek culture. Unfortunately, Indeed, when we, we were sick, we missed a lot of our favourite man. Oh, yes. I'm sorry I'm not J.J. Abrams. They say, oh, Tiger, we wish we called you J.J. Abrams. Oh, we've missed so much on him. Ah, oh, it's like he had this, like, well, I was like a peak renaissance. And I was like, no, it's not a renaissance because he's never left. He's just been no. doing great and great things. And it really is the time of Tyker right now. So I'm all for it. Yeah. So if you missed the past two weeks, not only is he directing Thor Love and Thunder, not Thor 4. <laughs> I'm still going to call it Thor 4 just because it's funner to say. Um, so he's directing Thor Love and Thunder. It also features Natalie Portman back mm-hmm. as Jane Foster, as well as yep. playing Lady Thor. Yeah, which again, I just also love that everyone lost their just collective. Oh no, a woman is doing something. We cannot have that happen. Like, I think everyone was just really concerned that like Natalie Portman was taking over from Chris Hemsworth as Thor. And so they just went out onto this huge, like, oh, I'm very, very angry. And people are like, that's not what's happening. Are you like seriously? He's just, still there. He's still top yeah. billing. I mean, he yeah. was the one who announced it was still being filmed in Australia, exactly. specifically it's Sydney. Like, yeah. yeah, it's like pick an argument, or like if you're going to make an argument, just make sure you're making a correct argument, either, as opposed to just I'm outraged. Here's my two cents of my outrage. <sighs> well, it's like you know, Thor is a godly entity. It can be anyone who wields. Yeah those yeah. qualities that was the whole point when he lost the ability to hold his hammer yeah <laughs> like I also, I also love it too is it's just always like this is a fictional thing but i'm very <laughs> mad <laughs> because the canon. fictional thing is not being played like by a white person or a male or a white male it's like no that's not what's true and it's just like again fictional thing fictional. can be anything mm-hmm. can change also oh he is not the actual god Thor. It is an adaptation yeah. by a comic book, yeah. like yeah. a comic company who've gone, hmm, cool mythology. We might adapt that for our universe. Yeah, exactly. Things exactly. we find questionable, we might not include it. And things yeah. we might find that think might be fun, let's do it. Yeah, exactly. But, you know, some people just like to get angry. Of course. And, and thanks and... to things like social media and the 24-hour internet, mm. people can get angry and have a platform whenever they like. Oh, well done to them. Well done to them. But it's also frustrating because yeah. they're like, it's like, it's not canon. It's not part of the comics. Like, no, actually, there was a whole there was a whole story arc where she was yeah. Thor. Like, definitely yeah. coming straight from the comics. <laughs> Calm your tits. Literally in there. So, like, Mm. again, do your research before you make your argument. Mm -hmm. Crazy people. Crazy Crazy people. people. But the other great Tyka news that we missed (gasps) was the first trailer 
for Jojo Rabbit. Jojo Rabbit. It's so, so exciting. I think that the more that I hear about this movie and then obviously with the trailer I was able to watch a little bit of the movie is you're just like, I cannot wait till it is released. I think it's in Australia in October that we'll be able to see it. But I just, it's just so wild but funny. But the idea that someone could have a, like, an imaginary friend who is Hitler and then... I also just really enjoyed Taika Waititi because obviously the trailer came out. And even though, like, this is, again, in the outrage that is the internet, mm. is people were like, what? Oh, no. Like, that you like you know, a Jewish Polynesian man cannot play <laughs> Hitler. <laughs> Says like, who? Taika's like, Taika's like, yes, all us Polynesians are out for your roles. <laughs> like, ha, 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 sucked in. But it is just this, oh, my goodness, like, but it just looks like fun. Like the whole thing looks like fun and you don't often say Hitler and fun in the same no. <laughs> sentence. So, it, yeah, it just looks like it's going to be really, really good. The other thing I love is how, while this is definitely set in Germany, how yeah. New Zealand it is. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like his accent when he's playing Hitler is definitely him putting on a German accent, but it still <laughs> sounds so distinctively Kiwi that I'm like, I don't even know how anyone can replicate that kind of accent. Can you, Tali? Exactly. It's so, but this is the thing that is so great about Taika, I think, is he plays into that. He's not like going to, like, it forms another part of the comedy and the humour of it to be like, yes, he's obviously an imagined person Mm. and like an imagined interpretation of Hitler. So he can just have like a New Zealand twangy accent and that will just be totally fine. So it's just like, oh my goodness. But the fact that also that this is a kid who has imagined this form of Hitler in his mind that has a pseudo-German Kiwi accent. (laughs) All right. <laughs> and I'd be like, yes, this is totally normal. We can absolutely do this. It's just, and I just, and that's what I think, like, there's just a lot of movies that it sometimes feels like that it just gets very, very serious. Mm. Um, so, like, watching that trailer, you're just like, oh, this is fun. And, like, going back to the New Zealandness of Jojo Rabbit, even though obviously it's supposed to be in Germany, mm. it did have real like hunt for the wilder people vibes. Totally, so it was just like, oh, maybe they're actually like in the same like in the same forest that they will film. Well, like, where they were like the scenes playing like, with the it. knives, it was just like, oh my yeah. god, this is so distinctively like New Zealand esque yeah. humor. <laughs> like, yeah, exactly, exactly. So I'm just like, oh, I'm here for it though. I'm here for it. Oh. <laughs> I cannot wait. I literally am very, very excited for it. And it's like, I think the other thing too that like in the thing that we missed in Mm. like Taika's reaction to be like, yes, Polynesian culture, is that um, The Rock's latest Fast and the Furious, Hobbs (gasps) and Shaw, that was also a real celebration of like Polynesian culture and like he goes to Samoa and I say Samoa in inverted commas because it was actually shot in Hawaii, but (laughs) it's 
Samoa and they do Samoan things. But it is just like it also feels like Polynesia's having its time in the spotlight thanks to people like, of course, The Rock and yep. Taika Waititi for their continued like, okay, we have like we're, we're involved in, you know, the Hollywood inner circle. So we're going to bring like our New Zealand ho- um, humour or our like Polynesian dances and stuff like that to well, the big screen. So, yeah. Well, look at Jason Momoa and Aquaman. Exactly. It was exactly. like... Yeah, yeah, half half that cast was Polynesian. Yeah, exactly. So it just feels like right now is like a good it's like a good time for the screens to see everything and then feel like, oh, I'm very seen right now, so I'm here for it. I am here. When is the next Moana coming out? You need another Moana. Oh, can I just say <laughs> obviously like my day job is I work on a Pacific program. Yeah. And so I have spoken to Opataya Fawai and he was in charge of writing the music, like giving, well, not the music music, but like, well, he was the music, but more like <laughs> the Pacific. I was just like, I'm going to say something. And I was like, no, that's not right. Because like, obviously the Disney people still do the Disney writing of the songs and stuff like that. But Opataya Fawai was brought in to bring like the Pacific sounds and like mm-hmm. the Polynesian sounds to it. And so I've interviewed him and obviously we started talking about Moana and I was just like, so Moana 2, when's that happening? And he's like, oh, well, I haven't heard anything yet. And I was just also like, uh, obviously, if you have heard something, you're not going to tell me in this interview and potentially like ruin any form of contract. Like you've probably signed some kind of don't talk about it, even if it is happening, like don't talk about it until like we give you the okay. But then a couple of weeks ago, his daughter, Olivia Fawai, and like the first song from Moana is mm. her voice doing the um, call of Taolunga. And so she has also like doing her own music thing. So she came on to talk about like her new single that she's brought out. And I was just like, so Moana too, <laughs> what's that like? What can you tell me about that? And she's like, oh, no, I don't know anything. She's like, dad would know before I know. And I was like, well, I've already asked your dad. Your dad won't tell me. And I was hoping that you might tell me. <laughs> so trust me, Sophie, if like Moana 2 is out or it's in the makings of, like surely they'd have to do it. It was so successful. And every Beloved. other successful Disney movie has had a sequel. So I'm like, of course they would do and it. Didn't and didn't they, they do it like so many places. In New Zealand in New Zealand they had like screenings in Maori. Yeah, well and this is the thing too, is like I know that there are so many themes and especially like right now where the Pacific is having kind of I keep saying it's a renaissance. Like, <laughs> you are always there. <laughs> but the thing is, is like you could so easily, like in the same sense that um finding Nemo the the Dory spin-off to the sequel mm. was kind of about the environment, kind of about climate change and stuff like that. Yeah. Is you could so do a Moana interpretation that is about the effects that climate change has on Pacific countries. Because even though this was like even though the original Moana was kind of timeless in that ancient storytelling kind of way, like yeah. a navigational thing, is like you could very easily do an interpretation where 
you have to look after the environment and you have to do things because climate change is going to affect these like small Pacific Island nations. I don't know. Like maybe if the people at Disney just want to talk to me and I can just throw out some plotline ideas like, you know, and make just, Moana happen. We're going to be flooded soon. Moana needs a way to get off her island and find a new exactly. one. Exactly. So, like, maybe there is something in the sense of, you know, being an environmental refugee and what that means to your sense of identity and culture. Mm. I mean, there's some pretty heavy themes that you are like would be aiming at a predominantly kids movie, but hey, this is the world like the next kids generation are changing the world. generation is going to inherit. So, I think that they like you shouldn't shy away from those like heavier topics. And they're the ones okay. leading the charge in the climate change conversation. Oh my God. So it is, yeah. absolutely it is, get them young. It is, it is so funny to watch her to be like, adults, why are you not being adults about this life right now? Like why are we still arguing? Why aren't we just actually trying to solve problems and fix things? And especially too, when you saw like Prince Harry a couple, a few weeks ago, he announced with like Meghan Markle that they're only really going to have two kids because like with the effects of the climate change and the earth and stuff like that, mm. it's just like, a, oh no, like you can't support like more kids and stuff like that. And that is a real conversation that people are having totally. now to either be like, and especially like with the UN cli- like report that came out about climate change, everyone's like, okay, for us to still be around, like everyone essentially needs to move to a plant-based diet and hey, maybe don't have five kids, just have one if anything. Yeah, I've got a few friends who are having conversations around the idea of, oh, sh- like not having kids for the environment. So well, that's what Miley Cyrus says. She's like, I'm not going to have kids yeah. for environmental reasons. Yeah, exactly. So I'm just saying Moana too. Like, <laughs> there's a lot to wow. go with. We Maybe Moana doesn't have kids because for the environment. And yeah, oh. interesting times. It's very interesting times. You know what else is interesting? Yeah. The Emmys have decided to go hostless like the Oscars. It's kind of like it's one of those things that originally I wasn't mad at because I was just like, but I think that that's largely because a lot of award shows have hosts and then they go on for a really long time and then those hosts are actually terrible. But I feel like the Emmys have a better track record of having good hosts. Well, that's the thing. There's so much better than the Oscars. Like they've had like – um, Amy Poehler, Tina Fey, yeah. Yeah. like last year was Andy Samberg and Sandra Oh. Like they choose good people to host. Yeah. And, but this is the thing is, is like it's kind of interesting that my reaction is just like, oh, hosts are terrible because I do think of like Oscar hosts because yes. they could not get a good Oscar host. No. Um, so it is that sense where you just go, oh, thank goodness it's not. And then you're like, wait, but the Emmys actually do it well because it is more lighthearted and probably what they're supposed to be. Mm. So it is an interesting direction. Like I feel like Oscars going hostless worked and so they will be like, we'll continue not to do this. But I think that like maybe the Emmys, maybe they'll do it for a year and then go, no, we actually, this is. Well, they did. I wouldn't be surprised if they bring it back. Because they did have that whole controversy with Kevin. um, Yeah. Yeah. Hart. Hart, who, you know, with his homophobic comments. And it's like, oh, boy, you need to veto this next person real, real well. And it was like that on-off thing. But, you know, they have chosen really well in the past. And I do enjoy that that first monologue of roasting because. Yeah. 
Well, and it is good, especially when you like, have people like Sandra. Oh, they're just going. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And but I was like, maybe that's what's interesting. And maybe that's what's kind of led to not having a host because we are in a day like with what Kevin Hart did mm. is that any host announcement is not going to please everyone. No. Like there was a time where it's just like everyone just goes, oh, yay, we're happy for those people, even if they hadn't had a, like a clean track record. Because let's be honest, I don't think anyone in Hollywood has no. like a sparkling clean track record and then would also be entertaining to host. Thinks back, never. <laughs> so maybe it's so maybe it's this thing to go. I know we just won't have one, and then we won't have to deal with the backlash of the person we announce. But, but this is the thing: they still invite all those people. Exactly. Yeah. So it's like <laughs> you still... can't be not complicit in. Yeah. Well, it's like it's when Gary Oldman was there, and then he won an award, and everyone's like, "Didn't he beat up his wife?" And it's like, eh, but yeah. he won an award, and it's like, oh. It's the same thing too. It's like Drake. Like mm. in the past two weeks, was like doing a collab with Chris Brown. Oh my and god, was what like, was that about? Like, yeah, and I was like, why is Chris Brown still a thing? Like, what in what world are people like, hey, you very publicly physically abused Rihanna? Like, mm. there is proof, there are photos. I was like, you how read the are police you report, working? yeah, it is appalling. Like, how are you still working in this industry, let alone other artists being like, yeah, we're still going to like have your back and support you. Especially so, artists who have worked with Rihanna exactly, and know the yeah. pain she's been yeah. through. Like, exactly. What? Exactly. Oh. Yeah, it's just sometimes you have moments where you're like, this is very strange with what's happening. Yeah, it's it's odd. And it annoys me because like, on Spotify, like they'll they'll give you recommendations of music, and I've been listening to yeah. a lot of hip hop and R and B lately, and now they're just yeah. starting to feed me Chris Brown, and I'm like, what yeah. the actual f? Why is he still over. on your platform? Yeah, like it just it's a very strange thing, and that's why I think it is so interesting because like obviously Hollywood, and I say Hollywood is like the conglomerate that is entertainment, entertainment and I'm business. just going to say Hollywood, yeah. um, is. It's like they're trying to find out where they are in this space while also being like, okay, a lot of our practices have been very complicit in letting the characters like, you know, the Harvey Weinstein, mm. like perpetually do this shit. For and like 20 odd years. To be like, yeah. And so now it's like, oh, we have to like denounce it. But then it's also, oh, this fundamentally underpins a lot of the stuff that we do. So this is hard. Like, who is this person? What is this person? What's going on? Stuff like that. Mm. And so that's where I say like maybe the Emmys decided to go hostless because they were like, oh, we're not going to be able to please anyone as the like the face because essentially that person who like hosts the awards mm. it becomes the face of the awards so it's like oh we just have to shy away from anyone who's not doing anything wrong but also having said that there are still obviously people in Hollywood who are not just like guilty terrible people so I mean you could find someone but it's just it's an interesting choice but then also it's a this is the thing though is it that hard so though Tali they just have to stop looking at the male population and start looking at yeah. the female population yeah. of Hollywood <laughs> crazy that crazy that <laughs> but then I think the thing is too is like the hosting gig is such a poison chalice for whoever does it anyway like you're not going to please everyone so even if you are like a hey I haven't like assaulted anyone or done anything <laughs> terrible you're still like going to get up there and host the award show where people will be like, oh, terrible, you're awful, this is not funny. Like there's a lot of 
criticism that they'll cop. It's and presumably as bad as when Anne. Oh, Anne Hathaway, Hathaway James Franco. Franco. Is that where you were going? Yeah, that's that? where I was going. It cannot be as bad as that. That was truly awful. I don't know what they were thinking when they were like, <laughs> hey, let's get two people who are fundamentally, like, to me, do not go together. Like, in no circle. If we were just going to go back to, like, a Freaks and Geeks, obviously, where James Franco got his start, like, mm. analogy, it's like Anne Hathaway would be in, like, she wouldn't even be at that school. She would be at a different school and they would never, ever cross. You can't even just be like, here's the two groups who would be at the same school because they would not even be like no, that. No, not at and all. And they were just truly, truly awful. So it is just a thing. But then maybe the Emmys and the Oscars are saving like a whole lot of money by not having a host because they don't have to pay that. And so maybe the money they save to get someone to host it goes into, I don't know, making a more entertaining show with some, I don't know. I don't know. It's interesting. Look, we'll have to wait and see to see we what do. happens. We do. Oh. Amazing. Um, but I know we were talking about Disney before with Moana. Yeah. Can we talk about the streaming service? Oh, my gosh. Like Absolutely. Our, our new overlords. Yeah. Uh, well, they've always been our overlords. It's just yeah. their reach has become even greater. But, yeah, yeah. they have a, they're finally launching Disney Plus. Like, yeah. we've been waiting for a while. Like, first it was Movies Anywhere and then now it's yeah. Disney Plus and they've got a yeah. whole bunch of shows behind it. But now they're offering in the U.S. a bundle package with yeah. ESPN Plus and Hulu yeah. for it's... the grand price of twelve ninety nine U.S. dollars. <laughs> So crazy. And it's one of these things, like weirdly tying Moana back into this, mm. is I went to get a grab when I had my interview with Olivia Fawai just mm. to be like, oh, yeah, this is what it's like in Moana. And so I went to go get a grab that is just a higher quality than just like getting something off of YouTube that someone's ripped. And I was on Netflix going, um, where's Moana? Like, I've watched this multiple times. Where is it? Stan. Where is it? Well, the funny thing was is I was just like, oh, yeah, it's Disney. So it's not on Netflix anymore. But you so get used to mm. seeing Disney stuff on Netflix and, like, yes, it, like it moved over to Stan, but it's just like – what's going to happen, like there is going to be a time where people don't think about it, even if they think about it now to be like, it's all right, guys, I'm not 12. So it's not like I watch Disney all the time, but it's like you actually do because there is so much Disney out there. The fact that they can just be like, I'm going to put it somewhere else and then I'm going to offer like twelve ninety nine for ESPN and Hulu and Disney just seems like a really good deal. Yeah. So, of course, people are going to go, oh, that makes sense for me to buy this subscription to this streaming service. It's just like three and one as a business model. Mm -hmm. I feel like Disney has hacked the game because also then they have the movies and they have all the like marketing and all the, like, you know, all the stuff that goes along with it with like the merchandise as well. And Mm. now they've got this. It's like you say, overlords jokingly but they literally are it's like we're literally throwing our money continually at disney because they just keep giving us this product that we so desperately need it's wild well it's we're seeing it here too like with the foxtel netflix um matchup so like the disney one that is specifically for the u.s like whatever international rights are will be different all around the world but 
seeing as I've already sold such a huge backlog to Stan, I would not be surprised if they did like like a matchup like Netflix did with Foxtel, but with Stan and maybe yeah. another service that yeah. might do sports, probably not KO because they're Foxtel owned, but like something yeah. like that to get a similar deal. Yeah. And that is still so freaking cheap if they keep it at a similar price because you're still getting exactly. three services for one. Exactly, exactly. And in a day where there are so many streaming services, to kind of pull them together mm. and do like, as you said, three for the price of one, it makes it so much like that is a great idea. I so want to do that. Like, yeah. I it's... mean, that used to be Foxtel in back when mm. all those streaming services didn't exist. You yeah. had that. Yeah. Foxtel yeah. had all your sports, all your movies and all your TV together yeah. in a nice package. And then everyone else on yeah. the market became competitive. And it was like, yeah. ah. But this is not. Yeah. But I re- yeah, I remember like the peak of like existence was having Ozstar and mm. being like, yeah. And like our family had Ozstar only because of the sports packages. Like my dad, huge rugby union fan, you mm. come to get like a lot of the games in Australia. So he bought that and as a subsequent got the movie and the TV shows as the package deals. And then obviously like Foxtel now have KO because they went a lot of people, the only reason why they're here is for sports. So yep. I think, and this is what I think is so interesting about streaming services, is they are picking up how people consume, like, this kind of content. So it's just like, oh, tailored stuff actually does work because well, people pers- will pay for tailored content to what they want. So, yeah. Well, personalization is, like, the key yeah. right now because it's what people want because they don't want to be browsing for hours through a library. Yeah. They want yeah. to know, oh, you know what I like, so you're suggesting yeah. what I like. And if I subscribe to a service that does everything I like, oh, yeah. even well, better. The dream. Well, and this is like my friend picked something up about Netflix and I was like ever since she like tweeted about it, I've been very more aware of how it works. And that is is like so you go obviously on Netflix and you watch something mm. and then – gives you suggestions that are based on what you have previously watched. Yeah. But what she noticed is that the tile screens is very much tailored to the kind yeah. of things you watch as well. Absolutely. So they must have little thumbnails which are different interpretations of the same show. So they she's do. watched Yeah, Can so confirm. she's watched it's and it's kind of crazy because like I tend to watch a lot of like crime, true crime stories, that kind of stuff. So like the thumbnails for me always have like someone in jail, even though if that someone being in jail is like a very small part of the show Mm. or the movie, it's like that's how they go suggested for you with this thumbnail. But I was watching, I was like, there was, what was, there was a show that had six like different thumbnails and like, because on my Netflix, I share it with my brothers. I was just like, oh, I wonder what it comes up for like one of my brothers who watches like a lot of kind of um, like sporty stuff or like if there's more like, like stories which are more like diverse or like African-American, like, you know, strong leaves kind of stuff like that. Mm. His same tile for this movie that I had like a, this looks like a crime. His was just like, here is a strong black person as the thumbnail. And I was just like, this is just like comes back as you were just saying about personalized stuff is mm. like, not only is it just content that is personalized to you, it's they're advertising it to you in a way that is like, personalized to you so it's just like a really interesting time where streaming services are picking up on that and going 
you're more likely to watch more of our stuff and therefore think it's really important if you think that the content we have here is in line with the kind of stuff that you want to watch just based on those little thumbnails. Yeah. It's just an interesting noticed, observation. We've noticed that with a lot of Australian TV shows that have yeah. have made it onto Netflix and it was just like that's yeah. not the artwork that we that Australia went out with. Like yeah. this Australian show yeah. did not look like this and then it was just like yeah. who is this person? Like I'm doing yeah. with like the letdown. They had like art of people who weren't even in the show and we were like Yeah. What is this? It was just a tattooed woman holding a baby. We're like, I don't remember that in the show. Yeah. Where did yeah. this come from? Yeah. Is this the same show it, I watched in Australia on, like, say, ABC or SBS? Like, yeah. no, it's, but it's different. Yeah. It, and- it is kind of crazy. And especially, like, my friend was just saying that, like, yeah, there was a Star Trek one. And, like, there's not a lot of black people in Star Trek, but the thumbnail that was advertised to mm-hmm. her was, like, this one, like, minute character that you were, like, if you looked at that thumbnail, you would very quickly think that, oh, well, yeah, this is, like, there's going to be a lot of people of colour in this. And it's, like, oh, no, that's not necessarily true. It's no. just, yeah. They just want you to hit through and watch. <laughs> Exactly, exactly, because that's essentially what they want is, like, people to watch it, and if more people are watching it, then it's popular and then it's, like, the whole world. Like, it's just, yeah, it's an interesting time, I think. Mm, Very interesting. Also, what they are choosing to remake, Tali. Oh, my God. Home Alone? Home Alone? Who thought thought that was a good idea? You don't touch classics. It's, It's so, it's just, like, I think the problem with that is like Home Alone is very much of its time. It's also very much of the time where we weren't as connected as we no, are now. No, absolutely that, not. Like I know it's going to be a reimagining, but can you in 2019 leave on a family holiday and realise that one of your kids is not there? Like can you do that? Is that possible? You'd get a call within the first five minutes of leaving in the Uber of your kid yeah. going, where is everyone? You'd be like, oh, crap, turn it around. Like yeah, every exactly. kid has a smartphone like who is yeah. pretty much from the age of eight. It is yeah. not something <laughs> that would not that's... exist that they would be left alone with no way yeah. to contact you. It's also so true that you would be like uh, at some point someone would check them in on the, at the airport going on their family holiday, like let's take a photo before we go. But again, someone would notice. Like I think that social media would be the things. Also like airport security is a lot stricter now too. So yeah. I'm pretty sure that there would be a process where a mother would go, wait a second, we need to get this kid through, you know, yeah. the airport. Wait a second, the kid isn't here. So yeah, I just, like, don't know how. And it's also there's an interesting thing because you just go, oh, they obviously are going to get stuck home alone. Mm. But what then, like, I just, I just like, there's a part of me that just goes Madeline McCann and that whole, like, family <laughs> dramas and stuff like that is, like, if you leave a kid at home, uh, yeah, I just, I don't know. I just don't, I don't, yeah, I it would be interesting to see what they do and what that storyline is because I think that there will just be a lot of plot holes well, yeah, that don't and, really apply. And, like, you look at the original and it's all, like, you know, Kevin makes all these booby traps for these two yeah, burglars yeah. and it's like, my God, what would it be now? Like a kid hacking onto his parents' laptop yeah. and just, like, transferring a- money to, like, other places yeah. and... 
like hacking yeah. to you know, military personnel to come save him. I yeah, don't know. Because that, that's the thing too, isn't it? It's just like looking up YouTube videos onto how to make booby traps around the house. Oh, but my God, he totally like, would be Googling it. Yeah, but it's also by the time he does that, he would just contact the person who would just be like, yeah, cool, this is, yeah, we'll sort this. Yeah, it's just, and I, I did I did like Macaulay Culkin, obviously the star of the original yeah. Home Alone, tweeting out a photo of what Home Alone would look like now, and it was just like him on the couch, like gut out, eating food, just being like, yeah, He's just having a Netflix and chill moment pretty much. And it's yeah, like, exactly, exactly. That sounds but, about right. I mean, yeah, that would yeah. be it. Um, yeah. And I think another person on Twitter wrote, the Home and Alone sequel I want to see is Catherine O'Hara and Macaulay Culkin taking fabulous vacations together. And I'm like, okay, that I would watch, especially if she goes full yeah. Moira mode from Shit's Creek. Yeah. I would watch yeah. that. Oh, my God. Well, maybe is that the thing is like Home Alone is a reworking in the sense that it's the family holiday that did happen and they left all the rest of the characters in that movie that no one actually cares about, like, at home. And then, yeah, Catherine O'Hara and Macaulay Culkin went off to have a great party. Because, like, the only other person that I remember from that movie is Buzz, the older brother. Yeah. And I was just like, this is just, yeah. It's Also, it's interesting as to why they picked Home Alone. Mm. Because everyone remembers the first Home Alone movie. Yeah. Come the second Home Alone movie, I think that that's the one where Donald Trump is, yep. like, makes the sequel. Lost in New York, yep. yeah. Yeah, but, like, largely people forget after that because even then as a premise of the idea of leaving a kid alone, you can only do that once. Well, that was it. Home it just alone... became too much of a stretch. Home Alone 3 was exactly that where yeah. the kid was left home alone because he had the measles and was contagious yeah. when the burglars came and it was just like, We've kind of seen this all before. It's nothing new. Yeah, exactly. And exactly. it's a new kid, but just because yeah. it's a new kid doesn't mean we've seen it before because we have exactly. seen it before. Yes. So. And it's just like it's there's a real interesting too. And the other um, reimaginings that um, Disney said that they were going to do, do was Cheaper by the Dozen, which I think is a very They've already remade that. This would be like the third remake of that. Yeah. But the thing is too is like these days we have a lot of like not it's I don't I never know what it's called because it's like not reality TV because it's not The Bachelor, but it's like a, let's follow a family that just have a lot of kids. So but Keeping there are up with a the lot Kardashians? of those, Yeah. Or like <laughs> they're procreating like always, no tomorrow. Oh, my goodness. But I was also thinking, like, the Dugard family who mm-hmm. had, like, 23 and counting and then their whole thing where the, oh. like, brother was just wild and then they kind of just went to nowhere. But, like, again, we're now at a time where having multiple kids is, like, watching that on TV is not unusual. Like, no. it would have been back in the day. So even though it is unusual to have, like, 12 kids, it's like seeing big families well, it's like, doesn't seem as strange anymore. No, and know. you see all those like docos that follow yeah. Amish families with twelve kids. And you're like, oh yeah, yeah. like yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is was pretty standard channel, now. Yeah, there was a channel on um, Foxtel which was essentially called TLC that had all the mm. essentially a lot of American families though. Totally, but it felt like 
here's our next family that has like 20 kids and they all like the older kids raise the younger kids and this is what it's like to have so many children and I'm never going to stop having children and it's just like a, it just seems like now that is more of a its own entertainment model yeah so therefore like do you need to make a fiction entertainment when it's happening in real life entertainment? Like if people want to see stories of people with big families, like you can just do that thing. And, and then if the you other want one a fictionalised version, there's Shameless. Yeah, so, exactly. You know. <laughs> exactly. And the other like remake they're doing is Night at the Museum, which is, of course, Ben Stiller. Mm. But you just go, do you need to remake that? Like what are you going to do that is different to I mean, how it already worked. And those like, movies are only, say, what, 10 years old? Maybe yeah. less? They're not. The yeah. sequel didn't even come out like less than five years ago. Yeah. So why do you need another? Yeah. And it's like, uh, what interpretation are you going to do Night at the Museum that gives it a new, like, you know, 2019 lens to look through? Like, my head would go to, oh, instead of doing like historical figures like woolly mammoths and dinosaurs, is you would like do Marina Ambrovich, you know, like, <laughs> do you know when she sat down at MoMA and just like stared at people? Yeah. At, like, for art thing? I was like, would night at the museum just be like chilling with her at like oh my 2 a.m. or doing something like or that? Or like it's Yoko like, Ono having people cut pieces of her clothes off? Like Yeah, exactly, mm. exactly. It's like what is art now? Is it like modern art interpretation? Like, night at I the art know. museum, just all the contemporary exactly. artists come to life. This is like in my head I could just imagine them going down to Mona in Hobart and going to the poo machine. Oh, my god! And just being like, we just stayed in the poo machine room overnight. Oh, that like, would be brutal. The smells yeah. of that machine room. Like, oh they're goodness. too realistic. I'm like, oh, that yeah. does not smell pleasant at all. And I think, I think that that's what's so funny about that is, like, the idea and the novelty of having a poo machine in an art thing is just like, oh, I want to see the poo machine. I want to see it poop. And then you walk into that room and you're like, oh, my God, this smells. And it's like, of course it does. Like, it is a poo machine. Like, But wild. also just the toilets at Mona. Oh, yeah. Like, there are toilets with yeah. mirrors at the bottom so you can actually see stuff coming out of your yeah. <laughs> whatever you have. And it's just yeah. like, oh, yeah. this, is, this is new. I've never thought of seeing it, but hello, Mona, toilets. Yeah. Maybe this is the thing, like night at the museum is you go to one of these more like boundary-pushing museums and you just go, what the hell is happening right now? <laughs> And, like, nothing comes to life as much as, like, you and your awareness of your body and how, like, the world works. Gosh, what a life that would be. Yeah, so true. But it's just, like, is creativity and originality dead? Like, why are we pushing for huge franchises and rebooting everything within a 10-year period as opposed to just making original content? I mean... They've been yeah. doing it for, for not centuries, but for decades. Yeah. What yeah. changed? And this is the thing, and maybe this is like in a full circle way, is why I think Taika Waititi is so refreshing, is mm. he's coming up with original ideas or like ideas where you go, oh, thank goodness, this isn't just a remake of something else. So I think that there is 
yeah, it does. It does often feel like Hollywood is so afraid of making up something new and original because obviously they've got budgets, they've got like all this other pressure that goes onto it. So they're like, I know, we'll just get a favorite and we'll remake that because there's already an inbuilt audience. It's like we don't have to build a new audience for this new thing. It's like this is going to be a pretty safe bet. But the problem is, is like every time they announce something like this, even with things like The Lion King that we were talking about last mm. time, is like everyone would go, yes, it's The Lion King, but at the same time it's like it's The Lion King. Do not screw this up. Like when you are talking about nostalgia, yeah, I think that that is also that's really dangerous. I also think like, and I've said this for a very long time, is like American adaptations of like British humour oh, and Australian humour. Don't try. It's like, Sometimes it doesn't translate because you don't get the original like nuances that that show lived in in how it worked. And it was popular, yes, because it lived in that world so you don't have to remake it. And I think that that's the problem when you're not making original content and you're trying to rework already successful models is you're taking it out of the context in which some of it worked and some of it it relied on that context to make sense and then you're losing it. So the ones that did work. it highlights it so obviously. Mm. But the ones who did work were the ones who completely rewrote it from the beginning and took some some plot points but then made it, no, this is an American setting. They would never say that. They would never act this way. This is how yeah. they'd act. And those are the ones that yeah. work. So they're like, you know, your officers, your shameless, even your yeah. queerest folk. They understood yeah. their audience here yeah. as opposed and to like yeah. like your Skins remakes, which is the same exact oh, jokes. It's that so was funny. just like, it's, what are you thinking? It's so funny. My head went to Skins as well because it was so it like. It was atrocious. Is awful. Like, what the hell were you thinking? And then at the same time, too, like Kath and Kim, like when they tried to remake Kath and oh, Kim in America. for an American audience. No. And it's like. No, that did not work at all. Like, of course, that did not work. Well, like, it's like Bogans are very is, yeah. distinctively Australian. If you yeah. made a redneck show, maybe, but you've got plenty yeah. of those. They're called Alligator and, Boys. Yeah, <laughs> and I think that that's what highlighted is like, like on paper, it seems that like the Bogan equivalent in America are the hillbilly rednecks, mm. but actually it's not because there is real differences and like obviously like not saying that all rednecks live in caravans and stuff no. like that but there are distinctions to be like you can be a bogan in australia and still live in a really fancy mansion like yeah, bogan you. is more like a mentality look at stuff as opposed to like yeah yeah entrenched poverty and poorness and like that kind of stuff. So I think no. that there are just, again, there are nuances in the context of which some of these ideas live mm. that you try and translate it and to be like, oh, that's like our this. And it's like, no, no, it's, it's not actually not. So you can't just do that. And I think that that was like one of the problem with the Skins remake is that they went, oh, we have teenagers who go to high school and have problems here. Let's try and do this here. And it's like, no, because it's also like the American one is, and I think that this is the other problem with America is that their remakes are much more curated. Like yep. it doesn't feel as authentic and as real when no. they try and do stuff like that because it feels like, oh, we don't want to offend anyone. So we're just going to do like, they like just go the safe. They, they are like, I think on the level of safety 
Whereas for a show like a Skins is like it needed to be more raw and it's like I don't know if America knows how to do raw that's not curated raw. Well, Euphoria is getting really great reviews though, the one with Zendaya. And they were like trying to compare it to Skins but for Americans like, yes, but that's because they have taken the concept and made it their own. It's about taking the concept and making your own. It's not about copying yeah exactly exactly and that's again that whole idea is that you can you can take inspiration from something Mm. but just don't say it's the same thing like like don't even call it the same thing yeah make it something new yeah there are universal tropes out there like being a teenager growing up Mm. and you know like navigating that space is a universal trope it's not just like skins didn't invent being a teenager so take the take your own experience apply it but don't just pretend to be like oh we'll do the american version of that like death at a funeral the american version i don't even know why that ever existed because i was just like the british one was so good you didn't have to remake that you really did really upsetting that i just remember watching i'm like why is the dialogue the same but just delivered by different actors it was just It's just like, what is actually the point? It's like they have literally gone, oh, okay, like, do you know when they do like a language version of a movie? It's mm. like what? It's this is the equivalent of the language <laughs> version of that movie for an American audience, but you've just changed all the actors and therefore spent like a buttload of money to make this happen where you didn't actually need it to happen. So no. well done, you guys. Ah, oh, the world we live in, Sophie. The world we live in. The world we live in. Shall we leave it yeah. on that note then? Yes. Yeah, on that positive note. On that positive note. Well, we started. Always... you started going full circle. Taika is creative yeah. and original and then we kept oh, going yeah. on with that rant and then the positive left. <laughs> yeah. All we're saying is that, you know, as audiences, I think that we do need, like, a new original content that people shouldn't be afraid if it fails. Like, risk-taking. we are going to be more understanding, I think. Yeah. Wow. That's more positive. <laughs> just like we will, we will believe and trust in your process. Just give us some original content. Especially when you have a gazillion dollars like Disney. What I bloody know. risk do you ha- like? What do you I have to know. lose? I know. <laughs> you have so much money. You got you. You losing nothing. Exactly. Nothing. And there are so many emerging creative people out there. It's not like you don't have a wealth of talent. Just actually talk to people and take a chance. Like the the, orig- the reason why all those originals were so successful is because someone took on a chance on an idea. Like mm. go back to that idea. One day. One day. We can hope. One day. We can hope. <laughs> In this world of unoriginal content, we can definitely yeah. hope. We can strive to be original. Here's the hope. <laughs> Well, Tali, it is so good to hear your voice again. You as well, Sophie. You as well. This has been Gaggle of Geeks, your two SER, two SER podcast that talks all things geek and pop culture. I'm Sophie. I'm Tali. Until next time. Bye. Bye.